Hey everybody, welcome back to Audio Biographical. I'm your host, Dan Kozu, and that was, of course, 13 by Big Star, one of my favorite songs of all time. Always brings back nostalgia when I hear that song, and also because I don't have a theme song yet. So if anybody out there is interested in putting a theme song together for this show, I would be very interested, and I will tell you at the end of the show how you can contact me because we would also like to hear from you and your stories about songs that are important in your life. We have a voicemail and an email that you can reach us by, which I will tell you at the end of the show. Uh, Autobiographical is a podcast where I have a guest on every week to talk about five songs that are important in their life, and we talk about where they grew up and how they grew up and uh, where they are now. And today's guest is a podcaster, a writer, an actor, and he is honestly one of the kindest, most humble, most generous people that I have ever met in my entire life. That is not hyperbole. He is an absolutely wonderful person, and let's see him live up to that in the next hour. Aaron Keho, welcome to the show, my friend. Challenge accepted. I will try to be <laughs> the most humble person you've ever met. Already <laughs> not humble enough. You're bragging about your humility. Immediate failure. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? It's an honor and a privilege. You know, it's. It, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm tired, but I am uh, gaining energy by the second because I'm getting to talk to my good friend, Dan. Oh, wonderful. Uh, well, I was going to talk about how we met, but that actually kind of factors into one of the songs that you picked. So I'm going to skip ahead to ask about where you grew up. I kind of know, but why don't you go ahead and tell everybody listening uh, where you were born and where you grew up? Well, that actually has a lot to do with the songs I picked as well. I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma, in a town called Cheyenne, Oklahoma, which is the county seat of roger mills which at some point and i believe this is still true it is the only uh county seat in the state that does not have a stoplight so that's kind of gives you an idea of the size of the area in which i grew up one thing i Um, did learn about rural places is county seats matter which i didn't even know what that was until i lived in southern illinois and so the fact that you are talking about a county seat shows how small of a town you come from but that it only right. has, and that was the, the biggest town in the area for sure. But yeah, right. yeah, it's, it's the place where the sheriff is, where the bank is usually. Um, if there's any 4-H or FFA going on, it's at the county seat. So yeah, it is the the center of commerce, whatever size of that commerce may be. Yeah. <laughs> and so you picked only songs from the musical Oklahoma, which is going to get a little repetitious. <laughs> yeah, Rodgers and Hammerstein, a jam, man. I just. <laughs> So tell us more about Cheyenne. You are you. I know this for sure, but you grew up on a farm. Yeah, yeah. I grew up on a a beef farm uh, at the time of my birth. Before my birth, it was a poultry farm. Like Jesus, I divided time in half on the farm for some reason. <laughs> so I, um, I guess I didn't realize that a beef farm. Yeah, we did. Okay. Uh, it it was dairy and then poultry for a bit, but a purely beef. We had shorthorn cattle. Um, Interesting. So which this, some of the cows uh, were there for breeding, uh, the bulls specifically. Um, and then the, the rest of the herd was either selling to other farms or just raised for meat. Okay. And so I don't know anything about this. So you don't, beef farms don't typically slaughter the cattle. They send it to a processing plant? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we had a local butcher that we would take our cows to. Um, and two oh. large freezers on our porch that would carry all of the the meat that came back. Really? Um, That's interesting. And again, it wasn't really run for a profit. Uh, my dad did various other activities to try to support the family. Okay, okay. Um, yeah. The, the, the farm was more like an obligation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, and, and the hobby, kind of, and everything else. The money came from oil and gas rights that my family had and various other jobs ah. that my father dived into. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I Weirdly enough, I, you are the third guest. I don't know what order these are going to come out in, but you're the third guest that I've recorded. The second one who has lived in Oklahoma and the second one whose family was involved in Oklahoma oil. Same person. Oh, there we go. But very interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's a lot of Oklahoma money is, is tied up in oil and gas. Interesting. 
which of course we stole from the Native Americans because America. <laughs> well, obviously. Yep. Let's move on to happier topics. Uh, <laughs> your first song is Bella's Birthday Cake for from Five for Fighting, a song I'm not very familiar with. With uh, well. Yeah, that's one of the reasons it's on my list. Um, growing up on a farm and having the parents that I did, my musical education still to this day is very, very lacking. So okay. a lot of the songs on this list were kind of sneak surprises. Um, right. And Bella, go ahead. No, no, please. A Bella's birthday cake was on a promotional CD mailed out by Surge. What the, is the, the drink? The drink surge. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if you Google it right now, surge promotional CD, you'll find all the songs on the CD. And there, there's some, some good songs on there. Um, but I fell in love with Bella's birthday cake. Wow. Well, let's take and, a listen to it and see. Yeah, if let's we do fall it. in love with it as well. Uh, here's Bella's birthday cake. I really like that song. I don't know anything about this band, but uh, that song I really dig. So, so how did you get a Surge promotional CD sent to you? I, you know, I do not know if it came <laughs> in the mail to me or if some <laughs> of my classmates came and was like, "Hey, I got this stupid CD from Surge," and I was like, "Mine." <laughs> I, I don't know how I got it, uh, but I popped it into my cd player in the you know my whatever vehicle i was driving more than likely a a plymouth voyager at the time driving back and forth to school because it was 30 minutes you know going from the farm to the county seat cheyenne okay and that's getting school to school was. wow okay. yeah yeah yeah. and so, i would just jam out to the song i know you pretty well i'm gonna assume that you started to realize probably at a pretty early age that you did not belong on a farm <laughs> yeah I, it was not the life for me um in fact i broke my dad's heart like when i was 15 or 16 and i told him i was like i'm not doing this when i grow up i'm gonna go to college and i'm probably not coming back <laughs> and you're gonna be an artist of some kind most likely <laughs> right yeah which is why my father and i really didn't communicate very well because he was not of that ilk that's interesting so he just he, like he just kind of didn't understand you apparently <laughs> do you have any, did you have any brothers that i got from him you're an only child uh, right well half and half uh i have a sister and i have a brother but they uh were from my mother's previous marriage and okay. my sister was a senior in high school when i was in kindergarten i see so, so my old line was i grew up as an only child with the benefits of siblings at christmas <laughs> and so what do you think it was in Bella's birthday cake? So you're you're this feel like a theater kid. If they had, did <laughs> yep. they have a theater program in in your high school? Yeah, I have a really really competitive theater program in, really? in Cheyenne. Yeah, we went to state in one act play every year and finally won uh, my senior year. Yeah, hey. it was. That's what I did after school every day was go and practice the one act play. Wow. Well, same here, theater of some kind, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really crazy. So, thirty minutes back and forth, probably already dreaming of when you're going to leave. What is it? Bella's birthday cake. That's like, are you singing it at the top of your lungs? Is sort of. I weird? am. Yeah, uh, and it, uh, preparing for this uh, this podcast, I, I had to confront the fact that I am not a lyric guy first and foremost. It's usually something else that draws me into a song. Absolutely. Um, and when one of the first things that, that hit me about this song, oddly enough, is uh, during the second verse um, in the lyrics, one of the loneliest nights of the year, when he says year, he sings it off key. And I don't know why, but I just fell in love with that. And I was like, I love that. that that's, the, that's the way he's approaching this song. It's off key. It means something to him. I don't know what it is, but it just connected with me. 
and now it means something to you. It's so interesting. Yeah, yeah and yeah, I turned yeah. it into my own thing. And also, I just I love the drums in this song. I think they're, I think they're great. <laughs> I yeah. don't have the right adjectives to apply to no. it, but yeah, that's fine. And so this is sort of teenage years, correct? Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I say that I, you know, I definitely listened to this song driving to school, but I may have got the CD. You know, far before then. I'm not sure exactly when it was released. Yeah. Well, who knows in, in, when Surge got a hold of it and, and acquired the rights. <laughs> right. Uh, so I'm going to go to your next song. Sure. Uh, but I'm going to start by saying we actually bonded, I think, probably for the first major time over this band. Yep. Uh, we both hung out at a organization in Chicago when I lived there called The Moth, which a lot of people yep. are probably familiar with. Uh, it's a story, live storytelling series. And they have little uh, live storytelling events around the, the country now. And both of us from the start of The Moth in Chicago were hanging out. I did the video work. And you just you were just kind of a groupie? I don't, I don't. <laughs> At first, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. But you you usually performed every every month. Well, they, when I first got to The Moth, I didn't perform. And in fact, it took me a while to get on stage because you put your name in a hat and your name's drawn from the hat. Oh, that's right. That's um, right. Yeah, so I would just kind of listen to the stories and hang out and hope to tell a story. But eventually I did and told another story and told another story and eventually started winning. Yeah, and just telling amazing stories as well, let alone well, winning. But Thank you. Uh, but one day, I you were really giddy, and you're usually pretty quiet. And I said, <laughs> yep. What, what is going on? And you said, my favorite band just reunited. And I'm like, who is your favorite band? And you said... <laughs> Oh, it's this ska band called Five Iron Frenzy. And I'm like, that's my favorite band of all time. <laughs> and it yeah, was, I was like, already preparing for the disappointment of you not knowing who they were. <laughs> and then completely surprised by <laughs> the unexpected reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was like two kids on like a playground on the first day of school. Like we instantly became yeah. friends and bonded over Five Iron Frenzy. <laughs> yeah, it's like then, you like Voltron? I like Voltron. <laughs> exactly. And, and then we realized we had a million other things in common and you've become yep. one of the, the strongest forces in my life. And uh, and so you picked Cannonball by Fiverr and Frenzy, which is interesting because it's their last album. Uh, well, yeah. I guess now second to last album because they, they right. did uh, reunite. But penultimate why, at this point. Why Cannonball? Well, so a, a little bit of a cheat here, both this and another song coming down the list. Cannonball is standing as tribute for every song ever released by Fiverr. Friendly. Of course. Makes uh, sense. Because, yeah, it was kind of hard to pick one. But I, I landed on Cannonball because this song, more than any other, is responsible for me going hoarse, singing at the top of my lungs and road trips. <laughs> like, I get into this song. That's Fistful um, of Sand for me. If uh, if anybody needs to listen to more Five Iron Frenzy, Fistful <laughs> of Sand is another great one. But, yeah, that's, uh, a, that's I, another good one. We have discussed Christian Ska on this podcast already, but again, I don't know what order these are going to come out in. But Five Iron Frenzy is a Christian Ska band. Uh, I don't know if you if you grow Christian because I know a lot of Five Iron Frenzy fans that aren't religious. But uh, I, no, I did. I was the lead singer in the praise band. So yeah, I okay. was I was Christian upon Christian. <laughs> now you're saying was does that mean you you as they say lost the faith or you're you're just a different kind of spiritual now? It's somewhere in between. Okay, I find it hard to reconcile the Christianity that I grew up with because as far as I can tell, a good chunk of those individuals see nothing wrong with our president right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, no, no more and more as I'm seeing on Facebook, my contemporaries are beginning to break away from that. But I just, right. I find it hard to reconcile a message of love with the statements and <laughs> opinions being voiced by a majority of people walking around with a label of Christians. Understandable. Understandable. And yeah. so it's an interesting thing because I grew up, again, very Christian uh, as well. And the the interesting thing about my dad, who is a very religious man, like mm -hmm. almost a monk, uh, is that he he taught me at a very early age, God is always right. The church is not. And so yeah, he kind that's... of taught me to not always 
listen to the church, and, and yeah. which, which I think was probably one of the greatest things he ever did for me. But no, it also that's good. That's, probably that's good con- dadding. Yeah. convinced me to leave the church at the same time, which <laughs> probably bro- breaks his heart. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but that's, you know, if he would have just shoved it down your throat, you would have left anyway. So that's a good point. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, let's play Cannonball and then we'll come back and uh, talk about it a little bit. Let's. Right, that was Cannonball, and it is just such a great anthem to get you motivated for whatever you need to like to just push it you is. To, to do something and to follow yeah. your dreams. Let's either take a Xanax or you know listen to Cannonball, and you're good to go. <laughs> so that's 2004. You're what? Like this is your 20s, probably. Yeah. Um... <sighs> well, when did you f- discover Five Iron? Since we're, that's kind of the umbrella. That's right. Yeah, that that's that's the the, the good part of the story to go to. Um, so you remember BMI, and I don't remember what the other one was called, but like the you get a little catalog of CDs you can buy. You sign up for however many dollars a month, and they mail you the CDs. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Uh, oh, so there was a God. Christian version of that. <laughs> of course, there was. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it was one of those things where I couldn't really convince my parents to get me secular things, or I should say I really couldn't convince my mom because my dad never went to church. But if there was a Christian version of it, then I, I more was more likely to get the thing. And I said, hey, mom, here's the CD service. It's all Christian bands. She's like, sure. So I knew some bands on the list. Like I knew DC Talk. I knew Audio Adrenaline. Right. I knew uh, Switchfoot. But there was this one CD cover that did not look like any of the others. It didn't have any religious iconography. It didn't have people looking pensive and concerned about the future of their souls. It was just bright and colorful. And it had the word frenzy on it. And I was like, okay, I want that one. So I had zero idea of who they were, what the music was. And the CD came in and I popped it in the CD player and my mind was blown. I was like, did I trick the system? Did I get a CD that's not Christian? Because they're singing a song called Arnold and Willis and Mr. Drummond about one of their favorite TV shows. This is not Christian music. You have to say Jesus every three seconds or they won't (laughs) let you through the door. Um, And and so I was just, yeah, just blindsided by them. Even their, their Christian songs were very liberal Christian songs. They weren't like uh, about going to hell and how everything's awful and everybody's against you because you're a Christian. It's, it's about how, you have like a duty to the world to love one another and to help people. And I was like, as, as a lib, like I was already kind of figuring out, I probably didn't even know what liberal was, but I was looking around the church that I was at. I'm like, this does not make sense to me. (laughs) It doesn't compute. It doesn't. One of these things is not like the other. And that thing is five iron frenzy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I think also, and and maybe is as like, I loved punk music, but I wasn't an angry punk. And so Scott was like this perfect punk speed (laughs) but without the anger it never took itself too seriously and that's what i yeah Yeah, exactly right like yeah yeah i I enjoyed pod payable on death but i wouldn't listen to them nonstop. Mm -hmm. uh yeah but fiverr and frenzy yeah just just hit that hit that line and one of the songs i almost picked was on that first album third world think tank i freaking Ah, love that that song yeah it's probably that album their first album upbeats and beatdowns it's probably one of like five albums i know every word to that yeah fair yeah fair and even beautiful america like they're taking america to task in that mm-hmm. yeah. song you just didn't hear stuff like that before and again as a musical theater nerd they quote west side story which was my mom's favorite musical so i have a yeah. song for it so it was nice to hear it in punk form as well which me first in the yep. gimme gimme's also do west side story which i need to stop nerding out about punk or no you don't do it more musical theater <laughs> <laughs> I also think theater kids drifted towards ska as well for some weird reason. I don't know why. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it does. Uh, I wanted to ask you something else about Five Iron Frenzy, but I'm forgetting, so we're going to move on to the next song. 
Okay. Uh, I used to bring Five Iron Frenzy their water when they would come to town in Chicago, and I thought, <sighs> like, I literally thought I was delivering like you to their water. Like they and they were no. so nice, and they didn't care about their water. Like it was, they. I mean, so anyway, but uh, well, one more Five Iron Frenzy story, just because we're on the subject. Please. My beautiful, beautiful wife. Um, and th- at this point, she was not my wife. We were just early dating. Um, I. They had the Five Iron Frenzy was coming to town for the first time in forever because they got back together, and I got tickets immediately once I knew that was happening. Um, and I was out to probably dinner with her, and at you know at least one of the first single digit dates you know of our the relationship together. Right. And I said, "Hey, I'm going to the story show on this date, so uh, if you want to come with me, that'd be great." And she stopped. She's like, "What date was that again?" And I told her the date. Just like that's the date you have the Five Iron Frenzy tickets and my heart dropped to the bottom of the floor i was like no i can't miss this concert but being who i am i had made a commitment to the show and i couldn't go back on my word so i go to the show and i'm trying to give my tickets away i think i contacted you and said hey i have these tickets um but obviously you couldn't use them because i didn't get them to you uh but are you sure about that because i have a distinct memory of going to their concert because I brought oh, my wife to that concert who did not grow up in a fun. Well, maybe you already had tickets. Oh, maybe. Uh, but I, I couldn't give them away because, again, <laughs> you say, hey, who wants to go to a Christian ska concert? People are not really raising their hands to the ceiling. There was, um, I, I brought my wife to the, their, that, their reunion concert, and she did not grow up in it. She grew up in like, a, in like a casually Catholic household. And so did not understand that when you go to a Christian rock concert, there's like a praise service at the end where everybody puts their hands in the air and kind of feels yep. it. And she was like, this is creeping the hell out of me. Like, <laughs> like I'm like, what is wrong? And she, did, but right. I finally stood back. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess this is kind of creepy. Yeah, no, you can't, yeah. If you didn't <laughs> You're not really doing that at the end of a, well, I guess you could do that at the end of a Beyonce concert, isn't it? Perhaps a religious experience. <laughs> Um, but as I'm on the train going to the story show, I get a picture from my then girlfriend, my now wife, of a Five Iron Frenzy t-shirt and a poster that she got. She didn't Aww. go to the concert, but she arrived at the venue early and ran in to Jeff the girl and said, hey, my boyfriend's a huge fan. He can't come to the concert. Can I buy some merch? And without hesitation, she said yes. And so wow. they they went and broke open the merch and I, I have that shirt to this day oh that's fantastic i it is wrote a hard times article and i haven't uh, i write for the satire music satire site the webs uh the hard times and i wrote a ska article and made a brief five iron frenzy joke and jeff the girl uh reached out to me on facebook messenger and just about made my year so they are all <laughs> wonderful yeah, people just the gosh darn best so let's move into the secular realm with your next song which <laughs> yes is please another one of my favorite picks of all time and uh, I'm just going to play it. I'll introduce it after we play it. Here it is. Things a particle can. What's he like? It's not important. Particle man. Is he a dot or is he a speck? When he's underwater, does he get wet? Or does the water get him instead? Nobody knows. Particle man. Triangle man. Triangle man. Triangle man hates particle man. They have a fight. And that is Particle Man by They Might Be Giants. <laughs> Such an amazing song. It a song is. that always reminds me of Tiny Toon Adventures. Uh, it's exactly right. Yeah, I, I was going <laughs> to say, can you guess how I was introduced to this song? I, I knew it through my brother before that. I because Or no, I'm sorry, not my brother. Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento used to play it on his radio oh, show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so I, I didn't know who it was. I didn't know, like, they might be giant. Like, I probably heard that name and, like, that doesn't, that's not a band name. That's not the Beatles. That's nonsense. Uh, and so, but I do always remember Tiny Toon Adventures. So is that where you heard the song first? Yeah, I was at my best friend Brad's house after school, probably after, well, it wouldn't be after play rehearsal because play rehearsal went pretty late. So this was during an off time. Um, and we were watching Tiny Toons and we we heard that song. And we we're like, what is this brilliance? Of course, that and oh, the other song that they played, Istanbul. Right. And Tiny Toons. Um, and then, my friend Brad went and like Googled some of the lyrics that he remembered and bought the live album on whatever the version of Amazon was in that day, probably eBay. Um, and, and that began our love of they might be giants. 
because again, this follows the theme of me just stumbling into music because I didn't have a good musical heritage from my parents. My mom was listening to religious music. My dad couldn't care less. I didn't have any, <laughs> you know, siblings around to, to hand down music. My brother, I think, uh, gave me a CD, Minute Work, um, but it, the great musicians, not really my particular jam. <laughs> so I just kind of just stumbled into a room a la Kramer you know, finding the music that would became the the soundtrack of my I, life. And I that know, was true for very, Particle Man. Yeah, very similar situation as you. Uh, I did that. And my, my dad, like, I don't know if you if your dad had the same thing where he had that kind of one weird, like, thing that, that he really, like, my dad really liked Cat Stevens. He likes folk music, but he, like, that was kind of the first one where I'm like, this isn't, like, Christian music. This isn't the, pe- <laughs> like, the solo <laughs> piano that you listen to when you read it. Like, uh, and so Cat Stevens, I always think of my dad because he... Was, uh, it was one of the few artists where my dad sat me down and was like, you need to listen to this song. Like, did your dad have that weird kind of, this, this doesn't fit to your character kind of music? No, he was kind of just vanilla with, and I, was like, I, okay. I cannot name a song or a band or even a um, style of music that was his. I mean, he liked Louis L'Amour novels and that kind of is, that's all I know. What is a Louis L'Amour novel? old westerns oh, like if you take okay. james bond and you give him probably a little bit more principle and a horse <laughs> instead of a car and i'm probably just murdering the the, <laughs> the image of louis lamore as it is it truly is but it, it, because of my relationship with my dad i don't know much about louis lamore i avoided right. it like the plague <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think with me and my friends flood the they might be giants album is probably one of the most played yeah. in our cars driving around yeah, uh, that's a good one we just and i think it's for people who love to laugh and just and, and love a good hook but don't want to listen to pop music and so it just i love when music has personality and they might be giants is dripping with personality Absolutely. they do not care if you like their music they're going to write what they want to write and that's what they're going to do and this is the other one that this song stands in the stead of every other they might be giant song um, specifically the venue songs. Are you familiar with them? No, I don't think so. <laughs> so venue songs on a particular tour, I'm not sure which one or when it happened, but they wrote a new song for each venue they played at on this tour. And they picked the best of the best and put it on an album. And some of them uh, have videos, mostly animations to go along with them. And that video DVD is hosted by John Hodgman. Wow. I remember people talking about this when it came out, and I, I never looked into it. But I, I love it so, so much. Yeah. And I, um, was they Bubby Giants? Did, were they kind of, did they help you kind of discover more music? I feel like they were kind of my in to other peculiar artists whose names I can't think of right now. But like a lot of 80s, like the replacements and. I mean, yes, in a way, um, but not directly. They Might Be Giants was kind of like the movie a Rushmore for me. It was kind of confirmation that there are other people out there. It's not just farmers and bankers and you know deacons at the church. There are people doing interesting, odd things. And it was just kind of a, a nice little, of course, pre-internet hug from the universe that you're not alone. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. And and. Again, another thing I think we bonded over was was our love of They Might Be Giants. Absolutely. Um, we I mean, are, one of my favorite awesome. concert experience came from They Might Be Giants because in one particular tour when I saw them in Dallas, they just uh, plugged a radio into the sound system and started tuning the radio until I found a song and immediately started playing with it like the entire band. On tune, rhythm, whatever. They were just like, nope, this wow. we can do this. I'm like, you know, screw you guys, but also <laughs> awesome, please more. Did you ever uh, go into their dial-a-song like, archives? Yes. They, yeah, when they first started out as a band, they had a, a line that you can call, mm-hmm. and they just had a song on it that played, and it was like a voicemail. Yep. But you couldn't leave a message. You just heard the message. And so that was that, – and just reading about that stuff is really inspiring as a teenage artist where you're yeah. like – where, where you you want to break this box and you don't know how, and then you find this band that doesn't believe in a box, and you're just like, I can do that. I can just yeah do that like that. No, that exactly has to be right. illegal. So uh, yeah, I would try to impress girls by telling them about dial a song, <laughs> which worked maybe five percent of the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds about right. That sounds about the right percentage. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, we are going to take a quick break, and then we are going to come back with more of Aaron Cahill's picks. Fear of the South by Tin Hat Trio. That is a heartbreaking song. Just from the out, like the outset. Just yeah. anyway, talk about it, man. Where did you? Where is this from? So I found this song from the movie Everything Is Illuminated, based off the novel by Jonathan Safran Four. Um, and I think I don't know if this is true anymore, but the only movie directed by Leah Schreiber. I did not know um, he directed that. Okay. Yeah. A beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, perhaps one of my, whenever I list top five movies, everything is illuminated is always on that list. Um, I cry every time I watch it. I cry thinking about it sometimes. Um, but I found the soundtrack and uh, listened to it mainly because uh, the lead singer of Gorgo Budello is in uh, everything is illuminated. Um, and I, oh, you're right. Yeah, I was introduced to that band through that movie, and I loved that. So I got the soundtrack, and then I just kind of found this song, and it, it just immediately, immediately fell in love. Uh, this song is peace to me. Um, and ironically, I said, "Who is this band? What are they doing?" And I, I looked up another song by them. And it was a song that's kind of outside of their normal stuff. And so I thought, well, maybe it's not the band. I just like the song. But years later, I tried again and listened to it. And they're fastly becoming my, my favorite ensemble because I just I love their music. One of their albums is called The Rodeo Eroded, which tells you a lot about <laughs> who they are and what they do. Yeah, I feel like Fear of the South kind of has something for uh, how you feel towards yeah. uh, the, the state you grew up in. Yeah, but also anytime you rock a tuba in a melancholy way, I'm going to be there with bells on. <laughs> so it, 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 growing up in, in Oklahoma, I'm going to go back just a little bit. Did you have that, that teacher that kind of told you to escape? I'm just, I'm kind of, I feel like everybody romanticizes that, that like there's that theater kid who is growing up in the small town and there's that weird like uh, waiting for Guffman <laughs> type like right. uh, theater person who, who nobody knows why they're in the town that they're in, but uh, right. Just a giant exit sign saying you can get out of here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, yes and no. I had, uh, oddly enough, we had really, really good teachers in Cheyenne. My uh, theater teacher, Mrs. Moore, she was excellent. One of the reasons we were highly competitive in theater was her. Uh, my math teacher, Mr. Swartwood, uh, always taught us to think differently. They never really encouraged us to go out and, you know, to escape from Cheyenne and do our own thing. They just lived their lives in such a way uh, that allowed us to have more freedom in uh, becoming who we were and who we wanted to be. That's fantastic. And I think everybody needs that. And uh, oh, for luckily sure, yeah. you had one and, and yeah. kind of moved on. Uh, because I, I don't like talking badly about small towns. I kind of romanticize right. them because I didn't really grow up in one. Uh, yeah, there there are a lot of great things about small towns, but for certain personalities, it's just a mismatch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, if listening to Fear of the South reminded me, and it's it's interesting that that song reminded me of a band that I hadn't thought of in years called the Klezmatics. That's uh, a klezmer band. I think they're, huh. they kind of made waves in the alternative uh section for because they were a little bit more experimental with their sound but yeah. that that instantly reminded me of a friend of mine went to iowa state university uh and so a, a lot of time went because i didn't go to that college and so we would do a lot of trips between like my college and his or our town and his to take him to college and we listened to one of that cd uh by the klezmatics i can't remember which one but so now your song that kind of 
sad uh, violin that's playing uh, kind of gypsy music. Oh, it just makes me think of flat Midwestern prairie land, which I love. Yeah. Like, it, it, it is something that kind of makes me want to burst into tears when I when I drive back to Chicago and we're driving through that flat farmland. It was something I never thought I would miss, but I do. And and there's something about its openness and its bleakness that's actually very beautiful to me. Uh, well, you're not the only person to think that because Tin Hat, at, uh, sometimes Tin Hat, sometimes Tin Hat Trio, I uh, did the film score for Nebraska. Oh, that's right. You told me um, that when you picked the song. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's an exact correct read of the emotion and the the space that Tim had. Space, does. yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. uh that yeah, you really introduced me to a, a great band there. So Yeah, that's it, they do beautiful beautiful work and it's always something different. They're always approaching the music a little bit differently mm-hmm. and it's it's just yeah. So what I do can you list, think Listen to that song nonstop. What do you think? Where so this is probably your late twenties, right? When this song came, for that, sure. Yeah. What? Where were you that this that I kind of know everything is illuminated. It's, it's sort of uh, about a guy who goes to kind of retrace his ancestry in yeah Eastern so the, Europe. The, yeah, the basic piece of the story is there's this uh, gentleman by the the character is named after the author Jonathan Safran Foer. And he is a collector there. We were introduced to him by a wall of uh, Ziploc bags, each of them holding something that no one else in their right mind would keep. There's like dentures in the wall. There's a, a napkin that someone threw away. He just kind of collects things of his life and, and keeps them and stores them. Um, and his grandmother passes. And I think it's a locket or at least a picture um, that comes in his possession after she passes. And he tries to fill in the story of who she was by tracing uh, her roots back to uh, Eastern Europe. And of course, her roots, uh, this being a Jewish family, run heavily into um, anti-Semitism. And it, it, it runs into the war as well. Um, and he hires a guide who is probably the worst guide you would want. That's what I remember uh, of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the hijinks ensue to a point, but the movie really has a heart and the soul. Um, just, and it makes, uh, actually there are two guides, the grandfather and the grandson, the grandson being the lead singer of Gogo Bodello. Okay. Um, okay. And they, the, the grandfather kind of, has to confront his own past through this journey. It's a it's a beautiful, beautiful movie, and the song, of course, fits it perfectly. So, are so you leave Oklahoma? How do you get out? Or do you go to college? Is that the is that what you do? I I do. I follow my best friend Brad to Lubbock Christian University. I abandoned the Baptists and started running around <laughs> with the Church of Christ. Um, but I went to the school because of the theater director, Dr. Don Williams, uh, in Lubbock, Texas. He was a kind of a one-man theater department. There was also a music department there, and there was a lot of support uh, from the music department and the theater department. Interesting. Okay. Um, but it, my senior year, I uh, helped with the costumes. I did the lights. I helped build the set. I, uh, you know, had every involvement in every aspect of the theater, and it, it was a wonderful program and prepared me for uh, the next phase of my life. So was it like a, a renowned Christian theater? School? And no, I just okay, okay. went there on a tour uh, because Brad came up one day and said, "Hey, you want to go? You want to skip school and visit my sister Marla?" <laughs> and I heard "skip school," and I said, "Yeah, let's go do it." So I went there just because I had college visitation days that would allow me to get out of class. Right. Yeah. And I just I met Doctor Williams, and I was like, "No, I'm good. I want to come here. I like this guy. I think there's a lot I can learn from him." That's fantastic because. Uh, I grew up near Wheaton College. This is a really famous, it's Billy Graham is kind of the most famous. Right. I don't know if he's alumni yeah, yeah. or he set it up what he had to do with it, but uh, uh, he's a monster anyway. But uh, they actually had a <laughs> yep. really like, like their theater program was renowned in theater programs that weren't religious. And so, but they would do, I wouldn't, I don't want to say normal plays, but they would do secular plays. And yeah. they, like the school didn't restrict them. The school didn't like them and, and they were constantly in trouble, but they they were kind of the rebels of Wheaton College, huh. uh, which which is really interesting. So I didn't know what the, the like I didn't go there. I just I saw plays there as right. a, like a high school student. So, but I just didn't know if there was if the theater like programs of Christian colleges were renowned. 
I mean, it, it, not that I know of, uh, um, but that Don Williams, uh, Dr. Williams, ran the outdoor play uh, Texas, which was an hour and a half up the road outside of Amarillo. Um, so he was a, a, a deeply talented theater dude. Um, and, so and just, do, you, do you keep up with him? Do you know where he is now? He's still at the school. Um, okay. I <laughs> I owe him a phone call. I got his cell phone number probably eight <laughs> eight months ago, and I need to give him a call. I just haven't yet. Being a, a recent father has consumed most of my time. Of course. And your baby has been yeah. very well behaved during the show. It's been very quiet. Well, it's because he's in the bedroom with mom. She, ah, okay. She absconded with him because uh, she's a beautiful so, woman. <laughs> so did you finish college? I did. I uh, <laughs> one well, of those with actors you things. never know. Sometimes they're just like, no, That's this isn't absolutely true. I almost ran away to Chicago my junior year. I came up and, and toured Northwestern, uh-huh. and, and uh, actually the tour left a very bad taste in my mouth. I was like, no, I don't want to do this. Um, but I had every intention of graduating as a with a theater degree. In fact, I was going to be the first theater graduate from the university, but towards the end of the window for that to happen something went wrong and i don't think it was my advisor i don't think it was a school it was just like something didn't happen and so they had to like rearrange all of my classes to give me another degree <laughs> so i my degree was uh, interdisciplinary interdisciplinary studies in secondary education which basically means that i learned that teachers exist <laughs> you can't teach but you can no, acknowledge no, I, that they are they, there would not let me in a classroom. In fact, when I sat down for the graduation ceremony, like everybody around me, because they I, I sat by department, was like, who are you and why are you here? You're not supposed to be sitting here. I was like, yeah, I am. I've got a, a weird degree. And it, it didn't matter to me at all because school? I knew what I learned. Uh, not really. We were, oh, I forget what the athletic divisions were, but we were low on the list uh, athletically, like division three. Division four. I, I'm, I'm speaking out of my butt. I really don't no, know. No, that's but, right. Because um, it's interesting that, that a, a smallish school couldn't just be like, okay, here's your film or your theater degree. Like, well, there was some sort of certification with the state. It's it happened oh, on the state level. Okay. I think they they couldn't just say, yeah, here it is. Bureaucracy. Right. They didn't have the program when I started. I just said, give me all the theater classes that you can. If you can give me a degree, great. And they thought they could, but. Yeah, you know, at the end I did. In some of my theater classes, I was the only one taking them. <laughs> so, like independent just, study more than uh, yeah, theater. for sure. It was just me and Doc. Yeah, wow. it was great. So, I loved it. So you didn't drop out. Nope. Where did you go after you after you got this secondary education <laughs> acknowledgement? <laughs> this piece of paper is like, hey, sometimes people learn things from other people. Um, so I, I was engaged at the time, uh, one of three engagements of my life. Uh, one of three. Okay, I only knew of one of two. Okay, so you're engaged. Yeah. So interesting engaged. thing that I I've learned growing up: if you're not engaged by the by somebody in your youth group at your church by the end of high school, you better be engaged by somebody that you've gone to your Christian college with by the end of college. Right. If not, then your your chances of getting into heaven just kind of decrease <laughs> rapidly. You got to check those boxes. Um. Yeah, I was engaged, uh, and her parents were pretty big deals in the Christian education world. Um, and so I felt an obligation to make something of myself as quickly as I could. And I had a communications class with someone who worked at the university. And I, like my uh, in meeting with Dr. Williams, thought there's a lot that I can learn from this dude. So I walked into his office and I said, hey, I want to learn more about what you do and I'll do it for free. I'll just show up and you give me stuff to do and I'll do it. And I did that for a couple of months and eventually it turned into a part-time job and eventually it turned into a full-time job. With the school? Uh, yeah, directly with the school okay. working then, in the, I'm sorry. the, school is where the advancement department. In Lubbock, Texas. The school is Lubbock Christian University. So LCU. where is Lubbock? In, in uh, Lubbock is at the, uh, the bottom edge of the panhandle. Okay, so you didn't move far because you grew up in the panhandle of Oklahoma. Yeah, I could get home in four hours. Oh, okay. I forget how big Texas is. So even being near yeah. the Panhandle, you're still four hours away from home. Yeah, I don't think love. I don't think four hours is correct. So still a pretty no small... four hours one minute. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, rural rural area still. 
Lubbock is larger. It's the home of Texas Tech. Okay, okay. So, so it's a college it's, town. It's, yeah, it's got some size to it. All right. So you're not, are um, you feeling antsy? Are you feeling, are you, are you comfortable? You know, I didn't really give much thought to it. My goal was to, to study theater and to move on from that at some point. So I was just kind of focusing on that. Okay, interesting. Um, okay. And after graduation, of course, the, the engagement kind of shifted my focus to that. Right. Um, and then the, my boss, the Dr. James Johnson, the guy I walked into his office and said, I'd work for you for free. He got hired to be a president at a university in West Virginia. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and before he left, I said, Hey, I still think I've got a lot to learn from you. If there's a position that opens up there, please let me know. He did. I applied, I got the job and I ended my engagement and moved to West Virginia. So, if you don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know how personal you want to get, but how come you oh, had to perfect. end the engagement? Was this a separate decision that you made, or was it I'm was was either you not willing to stay or she not willing to move? Uh, it, it was absolutely connected, and I, I right. for her privacy, I won't really get into it. But there Understandable. were issues within her life that she was having difficulty dealing with. Um, okay, and it got to the point where. Well, I, this is not a direct correlation, but there is a, enough similarities that I'll, I'll, I'll share the example with you. Um, one of my brilliant professors at, at LCU was a psychology professor, and she shared this example, just talking about a, you know relationships you have in your life. She said, if you walk up to somebody on a bridge and they have a rope and they tie that rope to themselves and hand one side of the rope the other side of the rope to you and then they jump off the bridge. So it's them hanging off the bridge, you holding the rope. The only thing preventing them from falling is you. What do you do? Then we talked about it in the class and we went back and forth and she said, honestly, what you do is you let go of the rope. That is the only thing you can do in that situation. If someone is placing all of their <laughs> life energy or whatever on your shoulders you can't handle that. Wow. And so me moving to West Virginia was letting go of the rope. Wow. And your next song is Brick by Ben Folds, which is crazy that you picked that. <laughs> like, we just got exactly. here. No, it's not your next song. Uh, but I am curious, mm. it was the West Virginia school, a Christian school as well? It was. It, it was, was uh, Ohio Valley College at the time, but eventually Ohio Valley University Interesting. in West Virginia. Okay. Ohio yeah. Valley in West Virginia. Okay. Yep. Well, let's play your next song, and then we'll keep talking about your life and how this song came Deal. into play. This is Thank You by John Rubin, a song, another song <laughs> I was not familiar with. So uh, let's listen to a little bit of it. I'm not even sure what's uh -huh, next. Right, okay. I let my thoughts collect and uh -huh. do my best to connect right. without okay. begging for your respect. Uh -huh. Or maybe Thank just you. a little. What the heck? Uh, now, you enter a new mindset. Jump, fresh water gets the mind wet. Are we there yet? On point that All that I am of all I can't do, nothing's left. Like if the guy is sort of sweet as summer nights. Fresh water gets the mind wet. Right? So that John is... Rue. John uh, John Rue is is what he goes by. Well, uh, maybe that is <laughs> what I refer to him as. Okay. I'm not sure if he's okay with the with the nickname, but yeah. <laughs> and oddly enough, I did not know of this Christian rapper. Uh, and right, where did you discover John Rue? So I, I don't know exactly, um, but my guess is, and I'm gonna, I, I, I think one of his early albums was on Goatee Records, which was a record label uh, either founded by or uh, uh, heavily connected to Toby Mac from DC Talk. Oh, okay. And I, I was a big DC Talk head. In fact, my favorite song to sing in the praise band was Jesus Freak because I would get into it. I, nobody, I love I, that song. You're not the first person to tell me Jesus Freak, but I'm heaven bound till uh, the day is long, so... Heavenbound. You you don't I know. I don't know that song. Oh my god! Oh my goodness. god! It was like their first song, like this, like their. I was gonna say their first hit, but uh, but yeah, huh. I I bought and uh, uh, I bought the DC Talk tape, uh, whatever, uh, in the Willow Creek Church gift shop 
where you could buy albums. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, which is funny because Willow Creek has actually been in the news lately uh, because of their uh, fall from grace uh, for their main pastor. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to play a little bit of Heavenbound just because it's the greatest song ever created. Uh, here we go. Here's a little bit of Heavenbound. enough of heaven bound but uh from 1989 so about five years too late for that to have been uh in vogue <laughs> uh so yeah uh you you've moved to west virginia yes and uh i feel like john rubin probably came in around that time for you i didn't see the date that I, he I, a little bit earlier his first album is are we there yet in the year 2000 so he uh would have been right in the smack dab of, of my uh, college career um, okay. So more than likely how I found him is I was constantly going to the local Christian bookstore uh, to, to get more music because at that mm-hmm. point I was still um, more Christian music than secular music. Okay. Um, uh, you know, some uh, secular bands, but more than likely all Christian. So more than likely I just, as I was, you know, browsing, I found, this one album from Goatee Records, and I thought I'll give it a try, and I just and fell in love with it. Um, and it is Goatee Records, uh, okay. all of his records except for his most recent one, I think, are on Goatee. And so, what is it about his music that kind of draw? Because I feel like your faith is still strong here or wavering. Uh, again, no, I, I would say still at this point, my faith is strong. It's just taken a messianic secret identity. <laughs> if you uh, <laughs> Well, Did you say messy um, or messianic? M- messianic. Wow, yeah. Good word. Do, do you okay. know that the messianic secret? No, I don't. I, I know what the, a messianic is, but I don't know what the right. messianic so secret is. The messianic secret is when uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he asks them, "Who do they say I am?" And a lot of people are saying, "Well, you're, you know, this, you're this, you're this." And someone pipes up and says, "You're the Messiah." And he said, "Yes, I am." And don't tell him anybody because his mission and this is for me not the bible his mission was to show people this is how you love this is how you relate this is how you take care of people and oh by the way i'm the son of god like the the priority was to show people how to relate to one another um and the priority wasn't to say hey i'm the king of kings i am here to you know take care of everything so that's that's honestly how i live my life i don't put my faith on my shoulder and I honestly wouldn't say it's Christianity anymore because I think that is, you know, a very laden word. But I, I do my best to live others first, me last. Wow. And like I said at the beginning of the show, you are literally one of the kindest and most humble people. And so you you do live the the, the way that you – what you're saying. Like this isn't this isn't bullshit that you're talking right now. Like I, <laughs> well, I, I will I tell people moments. that you are. Well <laughs> – you're only human, although apparently in college right. you thought you were the son of God. You just weren't telling anybody. So <laughs> That's exactly right. I'm, I have such an, an ego complex that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you should see my stigmata. Um, uh, no, but John Rubin is the exact same lane as um, they might be giants as Five Iron Frenzy. He was, in my humble opinion, a very very talented rapper but also just put a bunch of goofy stuff in and amongst his song. When, the like little the that I listened thank to you. after you introduced him to me uh, when you gave me these five songs, it, well, he's a very talented lyricist, and uh, just, yeah. it's a lot of fun, which is, is. kind of nice. It, in the end of Thank You, he cackles in this gleefully way and screams, I told you, that's a hit, that's a hit. <laughs> which does not match the tone of the song at all, but does because it's John Rubin and he does whatever the heck he wants to. Wow. Yeah, and so to me, this the thank you is the epitome of his his work, but again, stands in place of everything else that he's done. Because I don't think there's a if there are, there are few and far between uh unlikable songs in his canon. Uh, well, 
I, I, I gotta say, we, we started, we're in West Virginia now, and I know you make it to Chicago, and you, you find a, a lovely wife, and you have a wonderful child, but we don't I have do. songs for that, so uh, we're gonna have to try and start wrapping it up here. Uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, the West Virginia, real quick, I, uh, my second engagement, which ended up to being my first marriage, which was probably the largest mistake I've ever made in my life. Um, but in amongst that, I started uh, working in uh, the fundraising department in the university, and that didn't work out for me very well. And during that time, though, the director of the theater department left. And so I started working in the theater department and used all of the knowledge that I gained from Dr. Don Williams and just had a blast. I, there was not a theater program, theater program there. All of my students were doing it for zero credit, just for the joy of the thing. Oh, wow. And we had a kick-ass theater to, uh, program. We did some really, really good work, in my humble, humble opinion. That's uh, fantastic. But then the, yeah, it was so much fun. And I, I miss, to this day, having my own theater, a space that I can do whatever the crap I want to. And because that was that theater. Oh, that. I, I was the only person who uh, was responsible for that space. And, and you're really, only in your 20s beautiful. then, right? Yeah, I was running a theater program, a theater program in my early twenties. Because yeah. I remember you telling me when we like were first talking that you had run a theater department. I'm like, this guy must be 45 years old. And then <laughs> I'm like, no, he's my age. And yeah, uh, so yeah, it just it just random happens. It had to be at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It seems like you 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 find people though. Like I I the job I'm at now, there's a lot of mentoring, and I'm like, that's not something that's ever been like brought up to me before that I should have a mentor and it yeah. seems like you, you kind of had a few of them throughout your life. And that's something I've never <laughs> yeah, actually I, had like, but accidentally, I could... um, cause I, I hoard myself out for a father figure, uh, several times in my life. Um, and I just happened to pick really good candidates for that role. Well, I think that shows your, your ability to find people as well. Your, your, yeah. like you get a sense from somebody, you get good vibes from somebody as well. True. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but then the economy tanked, and my job was because I was uh, working for the theater department, but that was only just like one class as an adjunct professor, really. That was all the money that was involved in that. My full time job was in student life, but I knew oh. even then that the theater department was probably on the chopping block. Um, and my president, the guy who hired me, had, had left the university. Uh, so I knew that my future at the university was in, in question. Uh, I see. Um, so I voluntarily left in December cause I didn't want to be, uh, axed during the middle of a play. I didn't want to do that to my kids. So I resigned and didn't have a job for a long while and it finally hit me that i can make no money in west virginia or no money in chicago so i moved to chicago and lived in my brother's basement for a year oh okay so you have family in chicago i thought yeah, you yeah. Just, so so that was sort of one of the reasons why you came to chicago right yeah okay. my brother hadn't lived here i don't think i would have had the gumption the chutzpah the, the what have you i was about to say to, yeah to, yeah um and that's kind of we moved to atlanta because we had my wife has family here and my brother was yeah. kind of nearby so we did pick somewhere that was familiar when we decided to kind of Start it all over again. Yep, yep. Well, I am going to play my pick now, and so every Yay. week I pick one song that uh, I th- that inspired me by the choices of the guest. And so when I was going through the songs that you picked, uh, I picked. Uh, I was constantly thinking about how much I listened to they, they Might Be Giants, and I said earlier I, it's probably one of five albums that I know every song, uh, every word uh, of every song. And I'm going to yeah. play a song from Ben Fold's Rock in the Suburbs album, which is another album that I know every word of every song. And it's, it, I, I don't know anybody around the time this album came out that this album wasn't like the most influential album. And it, it still is to this day for me. I absolutely love this album. But I played this album. I still remember I had a CD player, a walk, CD Walkman that I would go to school, like to college, mm-hmm. and I would ride the Chicago L down to the south side for for college and then i come back and my now wife had sewn a cd liner into my messenger bag so i could store about 20 cds but i listened to this cd constantly because every song it's one of those albums where every song feels like he's talking about me 
And I don't yeah. know how he did it because it's so specific and there's such detail in every song that I'm like, how do you know this about me? How are you talking to me about this? And so I'm going to play a little bit of Zack and Sarah because it's such a fun song and it came up on a playlist recently and I just forgot how much I loved it. So this is mm-hmm. Zack and Sarah by Ben Folds and we'll come right back. So that was a little bit of Zach and Sarah, and that song, he actually talks about raves, which is, it, this was kind of like the tail end of, of at least my generation's rave culture, and uh, I was yeah. just kind of coming out of really liking EDM for a while, and so it was just like, it was so specific that he suddenly referenced uh, pills that put you in a toxic trance, uh, and music that could make all white boys dance. Like It was just, and it was, again, uh, I think a through line through this whole episode has been humor. He's just so funny. Yep, uh, yep, yep, yep. And then the uh, the five for fighting, the piano. I mean, you can t- both of them kind of have the same yeah, kind of piano agreed. work. So, uh, so yeah, I just yeah. Uh, if you've never listened to the the Rock in the Suburbs album by Ben Folds, it is it is a masterpiece, and I don't use that word very often. No, I, I have, and I love it. Um, yeah, it, Ben Folds was one of the, the artists that almost made it to this list. Ben folds and, and cake, but you know, he had to chop it down to five. So yeah, I'm getting a lot of people who I've asked to be on the show who are saying how hard it is to kind of pick five songs it is. to it define is. them completely. So, uh, right. And then I, you brought this up via chat and I immediately gave you a list of five songs, but of course it changed right, <laughs> from yeah. that immediate <laughs> moment. You know? uh, which is funny. Cause you had picked, some other ones that I had never heard of, but uh, you do you pick yeah. some really great songs, so so good job on that. Well, thank you. So, where can people find you? Tell us about where you are now. I know I know you have a wonderful <laughs> podcast, but tell people about your wonderful podcast. Well, I uh, I am a producer of the podcast called Pleasure Town. Uh, we have three seasons out in the world. The fourth season is perpetually forthcoming. Um, me having a small child has kind of kicked that football down a elongated field but you're not you're not um, just a producer i want like i just want to say you you write it you perform in it you edit you yeah. do the sound design like you're you're not just yeah. like because when people think producer they're like oh he's the guy who says okay and then he cuts the check like this is <laughs> a really like a, a really vet like you have a vested interest this is a love project of you yeah yeah it was it's it's a it's a wonderful work um written by it was involved a, a whole slew of different artists, both writers and performers. And what's it about? Um, <laughs> it is Bible Belt hedonism, my friend. That's what it's about. Um, so the the conceit is that in the early days of the Indian Territory, what was eventually Oklahoma, uh, two gentlemen founded a um, settlement based on the precepts of hedonism. Um, so it was a place to go find your happy. But of course, when you in, introduce humans to any sort of idealistic goal, things start to go awry. So each season follows a different group of individuals within the town and tell a bit of the town's history bit by bit. And it, it really is a brilliant podcast. And it's not just you in a basement. This is this is through WBEZ, the uh, yeah, radio it, in Chicago. Yeah, the, we are the only... A dramatic podcast from WBEZ. We hold that as a badge of pride. Um, of course, they haven't done a dramatic podcast since then, and we might have something to do with that. I, always, <laughs> I also think that is a badge of pride. May have run that train right off the, the cliff, but um, yeah, we recorded it and, and wrote it at WBEZ. Um, and oddly enough, we were getting ready to launch it and they said, oh, this is a serial drama and that's good, but also you should know that This American Life is also doing a podcast and they're naming it serial not sure what it's going to be but you know there might be some confusion <laughs> and of course and you just grew burst to be... into ira glass's office you said look pal <laughs> listen here buddy <laughs> <laughs> we got dibs 
So you're why he moved to New York. It's your fault. That's exactly right. It was he just couldn't take the heat of our hedonism. That's exactly what happened. Speaking of selfishness, uh, I am going to invite my listeners to call in and leave stories of songs that are important to you and and that are connected to you in your life. Uh, I've set up a voicemail. That number is 404-692-1518. That's 404-692-1518. Or you can email a story to audiobiographicalpodcast at gmail.com. It's a mouthful. Audio biographical podcast at gmail.com and i will have somebody with a wonderful voice like aaron record it and tell us about it Uh, but please this isn't just about the guests we want to hear from the listeners of songs that are just really important to you and why and and how it affected your life uh and then you can also find full versions of all the songs we played today except for the five iron frenzy one for some weird reason uh that song is not on spotify but we do have a spotify playlist and it's uh, Audio Biography Podcast on Spotify. So search uh, Spotify for Audio-Biography Podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been wonderful. It has been my sincere pleasure, uh, both to be on the show and just to talk with you because you're the gosh darn best. Oh, well, so are you. And it's, it actually is because we, we uh, live 12 hours apart now and we don't get to talk enough. So yeah. this is a good excuse to catch up. Silly adult life. <laughs> But thank you again. And everybody, you can find me at K0ZUH. That's K, the numer- numeral uh, uh, zero, K-O-Z-U-H, on all the social <laughs> media. And you can find my book, Lingeria. It's a humorous fantasy novel, L-I-N-G-E-R-I-A book uh, on Amazon. And that's about it for this week. We will be back next week with another guest. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you then. 